Listen. Are you listening? <laughs> This is the sound of my country. This is the sound of Taiwan. Taiwan, a small island with a whole world of sounds. Thanks so much for joining us here today on Radio Taiwan International. Up ahead this hour, it's Jukebox Republic. But as always, we start things off with a brand new edition of Here in Taiwan. Hello and welcome to Here in Taiwan. Today is Friday, September 24th. That's Monday, September 27th, if you're joining us on the radio. I'm John Van Trieste, and with me here in the studio today is Shirley Lin. Hi there. Well, Taiwan leads the world in a lot of things, and now it can add something new into its crown. Uh, the world's weirdest cat food. Speaking of cats, we're going to be telling you about a case of mistaken identity that thankfully ended up with uh, the proper authorities, a cat that wasn't really a cat. And also we're going to be telling you about an, a fantastic Taiwanese artist whose specialty is creating fantastical sculptures out of broken pottery shards. All that coming up next. Please stick around. When you first hear about this cat food, you may not necessarily be jumping to go and buy it for your cat. But when you hear about its good sides, its uh, positive effects on your kitty, um, you might change your mind. First of all, we should explain what goes into this bizarre cat food. Uh, it's a silkworm pupa. What did it say? How do you say pupa. it? Pupa. Pupa. They are immature silkworms in their pupal right. stage, and they look super gross. I know. There's no really polite way to put it. They look really disgusting. Yeah, when when they wiggle and, you know, just like, yeah, really, when they move around, it's pretty gross. You know, like worms and things like that. And you would never think that cats could eat. Well, cats try and eat all sorts of things, but... um, Yeah, and they wouldn't know. You would would probably (laughs) think that it would be the sort of thing that cats probably shouldn't be eating. But uh, researchers here in Taiwan have found otherwise. They've been working with the pupa and for some reason decided to try putting it into animal feed. It worked well with chickens... Yeah. Another creature you wouldn't imagine eating. Well, I guess they do kind of eat some insects, maybe. But um, cats. Yeah. Who yeah. thought? That was I their know. next goal, and it seems to have worked. Well, they found that um, the pu- pupa, um, it has these antibacterial peptides, you know, like element that actually works well in like animal intestinal tracts. Okay. So it helps with good digestion and... and um, you know, it makes the, the cat healthier, of course. Hmm. And in, then, in what ways? I, th- I think the report says something about healthier fur and muscles. Oh, yeah. I mean, and, uh, I guess they didn't even realize that. But afterwards, they realized that the cats that actually ate you know, some of this uh, cat new cat food 
um, the fur has become more glossy. Mm. It has a shine to it. And they seem to be more energetic. Now, I'm not sure about this one because we know that cats used to be very docile and just like... No, they're crazy they're, at night. They sleep a lot. Oh, well, that's true. That's true. They're crazi. They're, they're night animals. Or when, they, you, let them out in, when you let them outside, they go nuts as well. Yeah, um, they, okay. Uh, or get a laser pointer. Um, so the cat owners whose cats took part in this, this experiment where they gave them this pupa-based feed... Mm-hmm. It was what, what, 30% of owners said that afterwards their cats became more active? And... Yeah, more active. They seem to have been high hmm. spirits and all that, which well, I thought wasn't great because usually people who own cats, they like the fact that they are just like, they sleep all day long. But you're right. They're very active at mm. night. So you don't want to be, you know. Crazy cats. And yeah, here's like, the your sleep. biggest thing though. There's one factor that I think will make this product a hit if it hits markets. Same here. Now that I'm considering probably getting a cat pretty soon. Is the fact that um, you know the litter boxes won't smell as much? It gets rid of which I think it's foul great. odors. Yeah, afterwards. that's all that work it does in the digestive tract. All these peptides. I know, I know. I wonder how different they taste compared to the average kind of cat food. You know, we're talking about canned cat food. Okay. Well, they haven't put it to market yet. They just no. designed cans for it to go in. But you know, um, I actually, uh, you know, I was googling around, and people were asked, you know, like, how does a pupa taste? Because in China, it's a popular kind of like street side food. Oh, I've heard they, of that. Yeah. They 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 put it on a skewer and yeah. they kind of like you know um, I don't know grill it or something. I think grilled probably affects the flavor though. Uh, yeah. Well, actually, grilled anything is pretty yummy to be honest. Mm. I mean, I've had grilled crickets. Oh, they're. Mm. I mean, anything crunchy and grilled is good, right? But anyway, so um, apparently these. Well, we're talking about like grilled pupa, so I'm not sure how it, it would be in the in the cat food. Yeah, they probably um, prepared a different way. Yeah. Because if it's grilled, the outside supposedly it tastes like shrimp shells. Mm. You know, if it's grilled, you know how, how grilled yeah. shrimp is yummy. And the inside is kind of tasteless, but it's just like tough, uh, the hard kind of tofu curd. Okay. So, so it's got a little bit of give to it. But it's it, tasteless. I, I think um, <laughs> it looks, because I saw uh, photos of them opening these cans that they put this stuff in. It mm-hmm. looks like they've mixed it. It's not just pupa. They've mixed it in probably with yeah, some fish, some stuff. tuna looking. Yeah, it, it, looks, looks, it looks like tuna paste. It looks like tuna paste. It, it looks does. like you're typical right. fancy feast right. cat food right wet and cat food they just contain some of this pupa. right and another good news for me is that apparently they cost just about as much as um the average you know cat food canned cat food out there that you've got so they've already calculated this yeah i didn't think they had i so thought I'm this assuming was in it's a testing little, phase it's probably a little more expensive but they say it's not too too much more well so. you often hear people saying that insects are the future of human food as well because they're oh. sustainable and environmentally better mm, oh, like okay. less carbon emissions and maybe easy. that's why they studied this in the first place because yeah. they've been studying for five years it didn't explain anywhere and there we've read multiple articles about this in the past few days before bringing it to you dear listeners mm. nowhere that we, none of the sources we found explain what it, exactly they were trying to do and so, why they started messing with these pupa in the first place before deciding to try putting it in animal feed. So oh, well, the original aim of this test, this five-year labor is not clear, but they ended up with cat food. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think the first thing was that they they realized why these silkworm pupa, they, they seem to have really good immune system. Oh, really? Yeah. So that's why they, they figured that, well, of... let me, you know, what 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 if we research a little further and do some experiments and you know make it into cat food, which I think it's great because hmm. apparently cat can be very picky about their food. Oh, they're super super picky. Right, 
and um, and the thing is that you know cats are very easy to take care of, but once they get sick, they can cost you a fortune. Mm. Well, that's true of so most you don't animals. Want them to Veterinary get, bills oh, are he- really? expensive. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, anyway. Well, so. you don't want your cats to get sick. That's no, true. no, and you don't. I wonder what uh, applications because they're talking about immunity that this mm-hmm. could have for humans. Could we get an extract of some kind and have that in a tablet form? You know, for the as an immunity booster. Would you, would you be very happy to have something like that for yourself, John? Well, you're not eating them. I, it's just like the extract. Just, but just thinking about the fact that it, what is extracted. Hey, a lot from. of I don't know if this is true anymore, but like you know, lots of flavorings and colorings in food through the ages have been coming from pretty disgusting sources. There's that What's it, how do you say cochineal used to be used i think it still is sometimes to give thick foods a reddish color it's crushed insects okay and uh yeah you're right that makes sense the, a lot of I mean, flavoring used to be uh extracted from beavers hmm, beer ends if, got, if you want some really bright colors you know try to imagine some so <laughs> i mean there's okay. a long history of the of gross food additives and, yeah, okay, and if you know okay. i don't right. know um wow i mean if if you know if it makes your cat healthy, just you know give them this can of you know um, silkworm pupa concoction. I mean, why not? How long were the cats like? How long did this experiment run? How long did you have to feed it to, to the cats to, for to notice a difference? Notice wonder, a difference. It's not like one it does, meal. It doesn't say. You probably have to feed say. to them pretty consistently. Yeah, for it I to... think they were testing it on in, in chicken feed in mm. 2018. And then when it was successful on chicken feed, then they thought, hey, why don't we so try... the chickens pet- were more active yeah. or what? What, <laughs> what did the chickens do? That was no details. They just said that, you know, they, they tried on chicken feed. Hmm. But yeah, so, um, wow, this is really That's a amazing. revolution in pet food, huh? Yeah, who would have thought? <laughs> Speaking of kitties, uh, here's a little kitty story that makes you go, thank goodness for the internet. What would we do mm. without it? Um, in Nanto, uh, an area of Taiwan that is uh, fairly rural, um, and someone found a kitten that had been drowning and rescued it mm. and put it on, I guess, a neighbor who had a farm's place. And they said, OK, fine, because they needed a place to rest and recuperate. Uh, the mother didn't, no mother appeared, so they figured right. it was an abandoned kitty. Mm-hmm. And uh, they tried to feed it dog food, which I don't think you're supposed to do with I cats. Know, that was weird. Um, but it refused to eat for obvious reasons. And so they decided, well, it needs to be nursed back to health. There's no mother. So, okay. Um, this person who found this kitten ended up taking it into their own home. And uh, they felt that this kitten was a bit weird. <laughs> But too cute to to give up. And so the family, the whole family, the whole family agreed to let them keep this cat in their house. Then they shared a photo of it online to get advice about raising it because I guess they'd never had cats before. And a friend said that this does not look like a cat. Right. And then through an internet search, it turned out that it wasn't actually a cat. It was something very similar that we have in Taiwan. Mm-hmm. And actually, it's a protected species, I believe. Yeah. It's a leopard cat, which is a wild cat. And it's easy to mix them up because they're not actually leopard-sized. They're no. teeny tiny. They don't get very much bigger than ordinary domestic cats. They just right. happen to have little cute little spots all over them, like a leopard. That's Especially how they, this they get their name. It was a kitten, too. So well, you can't keep really them. Cute. They're wild animals. Uh, yeah. They're protected by law as well. And so there's actually a Facebook page. 
uh, because they're trying to conserve them. For, for inf- so they have information on this Facebook page for the public. It's called the Leopard Cat Preservation Ambassador. Mm. And they had uh, lots of information about uh, these cats. And and so I guess what to do if you find one that's injured or needs help. And so uh, they sent someone over. The Agriculture Council of Agriculture's Endemic Species Research Institute rushed to send people over to uh, take the cub to the Wildlife Rescue and Research Center, which is sort of a general rehab center for wild animals i believe they do for most and black bears and stuff like that there are cubs that are found oh, and on the same place well they rehabilitate them mm-hmm. they give them i guess uh you know medical care if they're injured or sick and uh then they reach they train them especially the little ones yeah who were maybe abandoned by their parents how to survive in the wild they learn survival skills through like simulated activities and when they're old enough and well enough right they go back and yep, so that's where they were taken to the wild um, yeah, it was in bad shape, though. Even after they'd taken it in, its eyes were still, like, crusted over, and uh, vets had to really take care of it because it was weak. Mm. Uh, it was male, around three or four weeks of age, uh, slightly skinny and dehydrated, according to the rescue, the Research Institute's uh, rescue center, but um, probably otherwise healthy. The theory is that its mother was frightened away by local land development, oh. land grading specifically. That's usually what the problem is. And Well, they live at low altitude. That's why, yeah, right. They're not like These some of our... Kind of a lot of Taiwan's wildlife is rather higher altitude where much fewer people live in more remote areas, right. less developed, and so there's less contact or conflict with humans. But these this creatures species. happen to live... They're often roadkill. Low kill. altitude. They're often roadkill, sadly. Oh, yeah, I know. That's um, they're hard to see from a car, especially at night. Mm-hmm. Um, and there have been road improvement projects to try and stop that. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, so they're saying if you, don't, if you can't avoid it and you have land, maybe don't develop it. So that your local uh, kitty cats, well, not kitty cats, I guess, no. leopard cats right. can, can thrive in the area and not scare away their mothers. So, Well, I was thinking that if I were that guy who found it and then thought, you know, he was on the brink of like keeping it as a, as a kitten and then realized that it's, a, it's an endangered species, yeah. I would have panicked. I was going... Quick, somebody yeah, take it away from me because legal, I don't want to be fined, legal issues. You know? Yeah, yeah. I don't. Or worse, I don't know what the this. I don't know what the penalty is. But I don't know. They do look an awful like like especially as kittens, like domestic cats. They're about yeah. they only grow to about the same size, and mm. I think the I only know, thing that not... give it away is their little their little uh, spots. Yeah, yeah. Actually, so, so I mean, the the story is showing the picture of it. It really is very cute. It is. They yeah. are cute little things, but yeah. So. Yeah, got to make sure that they stay well in the wild. I interviewed someone about these cats a long time ago, and they said Nanto, this area where this cat was found, is actually one of only two counties in Taiwan that still has them, or three. Mm. And they have, are the area that probably has among the least. So especially in this area, bringing them back into the wild will do a lot of good for the local ecosystem. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Well, it turns out that there's a whole lot you can do with smashed pottery. It may seem like it's worthless once it's broken, but uh, not according to this artist who's found new ways to resurrect it and give it new life. Yeah. Well, his name is uh, Chen Sanhuo, and um, he was born to a temple painter in Tainan. Uh, we should explain what that is. Yeah, um, so someone it, who paints the, the Chinese-style kind of temples. Right, but I think what that means also is uh, they're experts at using little bits of colored pottery to create these elaborate mosaics on temple walls and roofs as well. Roofs. If you think of tiled Chinese-style roofs, yes. with they have elaborate figurines, they've got dragons, 
phoenixes yeah phoenixes images of the gods these are all handmade well not so much anymore but there are still a few people who hand make them and they're very meticulously so they're up on scaffolds putting all these bits of pottery colored pottery and ceramic to in place well, he is actually dubbed the artist on the roof because he's working on the well, roof so much, you know, on these, it sounds so, like these he, temples. It sounds like he's in, it's, it's in his blood, you know, yeah, yeah, second yeah. generation or so. Yeah. Well, he's not young anymore. He's 71 years old, and he recently won the 2021 National Craft Achievement Award, not for painting the temples, but for using shattered ceramics and making it into art. So let me show you if I can. Um, see this one here? Yeah. I think it's an eagle. This is very much like what you would see on a temple roof somewhere in Taiwan, though. So it's not, oh, yeah, that's true. It's not um, I, I wish this outrageously was in color. Out of the... It's really pretty. It's white, but um, I think it's got like bluish edges to this broken, shattered, you know, ceramic pieces, yeah. you know. But um, but it's incredible. It's beautiful. And, and I want to show you. Wait, I have another one, too. Um, these are really beautiful. Okay. He also made one. I'm assuming... That this is the body Bodhidharma. Uh, body, body yes, sculpture. Okay, he is supposedly a legendary <clears throat> Buddhist um, monk, and so he made this one. I'm sorry, it's not in color, but this is another beautiful piece. But all out of it's flowing. So, he's got flowing robes. It's there's a lot of movement to it, even though it's just yeah. still pieces of ceram- broken ceramic. Yeah. So anyway, what happened though? I mean, he didn't just you know by chance started doing this. Um, at one time, he, well, actually, or first of all, and he's 71 years old, but he actually has been at this for six decades, painting the, the, the temple roofs. Okay, right. that's what I'm talking about, painting. Or arranging as a, the as a temple ceramics painter. on the roof. Right, yeah, uh, yeah right. And, um, and then he was doing mostly temple repair works. Yeah, okay. they, they, the bits of uh, oh, ceramic yeah, you have to repair them tend to them. fall off a I lot. Uh, they sit out, well, they're exposed to the wind and the rain, right, earthquakes. Right, it's delicate art pieces, so, they you know, tiny they little easily. intricate pieces that are pieced together to form these beautiful temple roofs. Right, right. And so, um, he's thought, well, why don't I try, mm-hmm. you know, cutting and pasting shattered glass or ceramics or vases, flower vases, uh, to make these ornaments on the rooftop. And so he's been at this for a while, and um, he actually first started doing this in 2002, so it wasn't too long ago, doing a business trip to a temple in Taizong. And that's when he started, you know, making artwork using all these reclaimed broken pieces mm. of, yes, primary medium. So uh, he said that, well, he's definitely destined going down a path as one who earns a living as a ceramics craftsman. Now, he was selected as the recipient of the 2021 National Craft Achievement Award, which is the high, uh, the country's highest crafts prize. Right. And they and have, um, is this from the Craft Center here in Taipei? Is uh, say? Um, I've interviewed them as well. Oh, you did? I think this may be the oh. per- people I interviewed. They don't just do ceramics and other things. There's bamboo working. There's oh. all sorts of traditional okay. crafts they work to preserve because not as many people are taking these uh crafts up as careers anymore oh well anyway well he was chosen for this award from a list of 21 veteran artisans Hmm. so i mean supposedly it's really amazing um yeah i think this is really something you know taking broken pieces you don't leave anything to waste and i i think that must be really hard um because these broken pieces, 
I mean, you know how it is, is you have to be very, very careful among these broken pieces. They can just cut into your finger and everything. And so I wonder, I mean, I suppose, I'm sure that he has to kind of like sand them down first and then... I think it looks like he uses them as is, which is very difficult because you have to envision where this piece could go or what it could become. A corner of someone's flowing robe... And, you know, he, the effect is, is pretty stunning. Okay, so now I'm thinking that maybe maybe he actually, um, after he sticked them all together, he kind of painted around the edges so that, you know, it brings out more of that beauty of the art piece. I don't know, it doesn't... Instead of, because I think he might have just repainted the edges too. Hmm. But this is, right, it's a beautiful ego there. And, I mean, and you know, you know, when you think about shattered pieces, I mean, I've got, um, what do you call it? This certain ceramic at home, uh, all pots that I, um, it's called copal, whatever. When they shatter, when you when you drop these, they shatter in thousands and millions of pieces. Hmm. I hate it when you I break one of these. Does so it happen can often? You imagine? <laughs> well, I've had the same set for thirty years. I still have some left, hmm. but I mean, definitely in between, there's been shattered, you know, bowls and plates and stuff. But you know, to think about like. Maybe ceramics don't break in that many because if they do, can you imagine like out of a hundred or million pieces and you're trying oh. to pick the ones that you can use because they can be really tiny. Yeah. Well, it, probably, it doesn't look like he's, he's using very tiny ones. No. Um, well, I mean, the picture is not very big, but I can't really tell. Uh, there, are some, there are some curved pieces. I mean, imagine like... Look at this. Know, it's like an artist's vision. Yeah, when you're picking the pieces, you're already picturing... It's the artist's vision, yeah, where this can go, Which I'm what not it can sure become. if you have this talent. Uh, no, sure not I at all. It, it, it's, it amazes me. It just really, yeah, amazes me. Yeah, well, it's but, a, a word well won. Uh, hopefully, he gets some international right? attention because a lot of this stuff looks like it belongs in a gallery, really. Yeah. To oh, be appreciated wow. by a... There are some like Chinese characters on the pieces, and he. I wonder if those were on the original um, yeah, shards, or if he he. I, I think it's ad- the wrote them on later. No, um, well, actually, I don't know. Hmm, like you know, um, he's actually drawn uh, toes on this barefooted monk here. So again, are so, they drawn on, or are they actual pieces of found? <laughs> broken ceramic that because uh, that, they look that perfect because if they are it's hard to actually tell whether that's that's yeah. how he found the shards or not anyway it really is something where are his, are his pieces on display are they are there somewhere we can where we can go see them um, now that he's won this award or there is there a, a show know, an exhibition i only have the abbreviation of um, you know how the photos yeah uh, come what's, from? The, what's the abbreviation ntcri National, National One Craft Research Taiwan? Institute. I think it's the people I interviewed. Oh, wow. They have okay. multiple locations, though. There's one downtown Taipei, so yeah. we'll have to look into that. Oh, wow. But I think they have another one somewhere in central Taiwan as well. Hmm. Yeah, I think this definitely needs to go on, on show. Yeah. Mm. All right, very quickly, some, we're going to close off with some very good news about our vaccination rate. Oh, I know. We have actually reached more than 50% mark. Both of us have of, gotten our uh, first for shot. The first. Yeah. The first shot. We're talking about the first shot. So that is really amazing. It was reached uh, last Wednesday. Oh. So um, less than a week ago. And um, so far, uh, um, we have... Close to 14 million people vaccinated with the first... No, sorry. Uh, that's the total number. But we have close to 12 million with the first dose and only 
1.8 million for the second dose. To, to put that in perspective, there are tw- around 24 million people here in That's Taiwan. That's right. Yes. So not a to be huge thing, but I've heard that the goal is 70%-ish by the end of October. So okay. they're going to have to really st- speed, right. pick up the pace to in get that to reach to achieve herd that. immunity, right? But yeah, uh, yeah that would be great. Mm. And my next appointment to get a shot, my second dose is in November. I don't know about you. Okay. Uh, well, actually, mine is coming up. Ooh. Yeah. So you'll be part of that one million so super I, I protected pop- bit of the population. Yeah. It, it, uh, it's probably going to be later than the day. Well, I don't know, actually, because my parents and my in-laws, um, they were supposed to have gotten their second shot in August, but they didn't get it just last week. They didn't get it until just yeah, last week. It's been a lot of a uh, you know? delay because of supplies yeah. not coming in very quickly. A lot of them are donated vaccine doses as well. Right. The issue is means, supplies. Yeah. And then they all have to be inspected when they get here. It's a kind it's of a, a bureaucratic procedure. mess getting them it's distributed into our arms, but it's happening. Bit yeah. by bit, 50% vaccinated. All Yay. right. Yay. Well, that does it for today's edition of Here in Taiwan. I'm John Van Trieste. And I'm Shirley Lin. And don't go anywhere just yet because there's more of Shirley coming up next on Jukebox Republic. there you've just tuned into jukebox republic i'm shirley lin today i just want to share all the good news that's happening around taiwan like we've already passed the 50 percent mark of people vaccinated with the first dose the first covid dose yay the government says it's going to relax level two restrictions once we reach 60 percent vaccination with the first doses they say it could happen around early to mid-october and then by october end second dose vaccination should reach 30%. Oh, and then if first dose vaccination rate reaches 70% by the end of October, then we could be lowering the epidemic alert from level 2 to level 1. And we've only been having single-digit local cases of COVID on a daily basis since August 30th. So isn't that good news? That's what the song is. How Xiao Xi, good news by Kang Yalan.
相聚，有你在一起，我人生充满活力。All right, that was pretty old song, huh? I would guess maybe from the sixties. Anyway, it almost sounded a little bit like a James Bond song in, in in parts of it. But anyway, that was 好消息 good news by Kang Yalan. Well, um, I've got a bad news next though. Well, it's not too bad. It's sort of like a good and bad news. Uh, the bad news is that um, China again banned our fruit, Taiwan's fruit imports uh, into the country. Last time it was pineapples. This time it's custard apples or sugar apples and wax apples. They say they found bugs. Well, basically, China is just giving Taiwan a hard time. But the government, the Taiwanese government, is telling the Taiwanese farmers not to worry because last time when China banned pineapples, we made even more money than before selling off our pineapples. Well, I guess I should say we were able to sell them all, even though we didn't, you know, China didn't buy them any from us. Like Japan put in much, much more orders than ever before.、Um, you know, when we had this pineapple ban from China, they were so helpful. They're so nice, and they just love our fruit, the Japanese. And we exported also the same fruit to other countries. So at the end, we sold all our pineapples. And of course, everybody in Taiwan helps out. You know, like even companies ordering them by on a batch. You know,、um, in in cases, etc. So this time, and after learning a lesson from the pineapple ban from China, we're not going to put all our eggs in the same basket. Now, wax apples—it's a very juicy fruit and can be really sweet. It's crunchy and shapes like an upside-down bell, I might say, and、um, and it's—you it, know—it's anywhere from red to pink colored, or even like light green colored on the outside, considering all the different variants that we've come up with. Custard apples—I don't. Eat that often because it's a pain eating it. So on the outside, it looks like the Buddha's head. So the skin is made up of like these small green bumps all over. It's soft when it's ripe, so you just pull it apart in, into two halves maybe. And it's got these white sandy flesh,、uh, um, you know, fruit flesh、uh, surrounding tons of seeds on the inside. So one seed would have this white fleshy. Meat on the outside, and you try to get the meat off, to get the flesh off the seed itself before you spit out the the seed, the black seed on the inside. I heard that the government is thinking about some kind of stimulus vouchers to save the two fruit, so the two fruits. So for that matter, I just might buy some of the custard apples this time, even though it's a pain to eat them. They're very sweet and doesn't taste bad at all. Just takes a lot of time eating it. That's what it is. So that's the bad and the good news. And that's the very song I have. 好消息与坏消息 good news and bad news by Ma Dan Gui.
Next is another amazing good news. One of our universities, the National Chenggong University, has found Taiwan's first carbon-negative factory, which opened last Friday. It will promote carbon removal technology across various industries in Taiwan. So the factory can transform carbon pollutants, carbon dioxide, and carbon monoxide into ethane, propane, methane, etc. Methane. Yeah, Taiwan would then be able to lower its reliance on imported crude oil. Methane is fuel for natural gas, and so carbon-negative factory will be able to advance Taiwan's goal of natural gas self-sufficiency. Now, the world has the goal of net zero by 2050. Let's just hope that the world will be a better place soon, very soon. And that's what this song is. 明天会更好 Tomorrow will be better.、Um, it's sung by various artists, and it's in fact the very first song I learned. Um, when I came back to Taiwan 30 years ago, 明天会更好 Oh. 
People like to get in line is beyond me, but here's one more crazy example of that. A woman in Taipei got in line for nine days. I'm saying nine days, not nine hours. Nine days to get her hands on the latest Apple gadget, the one TB version of the iPhone Pro Max. I don't know what I'm talking about, but anyway, she's a student getting her master's, and the local media has dubbed her as the Miss Goddess for her phenomenal patience. She went in line about 11 a.m. on September 16. She waited nine days and eight nights. That means she was camping out for nine days and eight nights, including the four-day Mid-Autumn Festival long weekend. And she didn't take any any of the holiday off, and、um, to be the first to get her iPhone Pro Max. Well, if she's a student, she would have had those four-day long weekend. Yes, but she didn't do anything except just getting in line,、uh, staying in line. She said last year she had wanted to line up for a new phone, but her family stopped her from doing that. This year, nobody could stop her. Okay, and so along with her purchase, she got several accessories for free because she was the very first customer. I wonder how many people lined up with her, but I bet no one, no one else, got in line for nine days and eight nights. I wonder, this you know when the second customer got in line. You know, I mean, who would? Do that nine days and eight nights. I mean, overnight. Yeah, well, no, overnight you probably won't be the first.、Um, two nights, probably not. Three, three days, four. I don't know. Nine days and eight nights. Okay. 
but she was able to save eight hundred twenty-nine U.S. dollars, which I guess was really worth it. So there are some crazy people, and this is the song "Fong Le Crazy" by Huang Ruo Xi. And that ends today's show. Thank you so much for joining me on Jukebox Republic. I'm Shirley Lin.
This is Radio Taiwan International. Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 9405 kHz. Again, that's in southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 9405 kHz. And in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International.